1: Welcome to episode 168 of the highly relevant podcast a show about how latinx pop culture is reshaping mainstream entertainment i'm your host jack rico and if you're into photography then you're gonna love this week's episode i interview colombian photographer josefina santos who as of late has been photographing some of the biggest names in music television and film such as olivia rodrigo nj rodriguez from pose and indie director jim Jarmusch, just to name a few Plus, she's photographed covers for The New Yorker, The New York Times, Teen Vogue, and more. Josefina and I discussed the skills that made media mainstream's elite notice her, how Instagram is a blessing and a curse, and we tackled the creative's debate. Should a beginner creative work for free for career-changing opportunities or take the opportunity for no pay? Hear her response a little later. But before I talk to Josefina Santos, it's time I give you my weekly recap of the top Latinx pop culture headlines in a segment I like to call Jacked In. Let's begin with the top movie TV music news of the week. Cardi B is going to be hosting the 2021 American Music Awards. Anthony Ramos' new Transformers movie will be pushed to Christmas 2023. Stranger Things Season 4 to debut in summer 2022. Sofia Vergara to portray drug queenpin Griselda Blanco in Netflix's limited series Griselda. Selena Gomez's cooking show on HBO Max renewed for Season 4. Adrian Martinez will direct his film debut I, Gilbert starring Dasha Polanco. Evelyn Longoria is producing a holiday movie for VH1. Edgar Ramirez to The star in Isabel Cochette, Nobody's Heart. Freddie Prinze Jr. and Amy Garcia to star in a Netflix holiday rom-com. Disney Greenlight's animated family comedy, Primos. Chrissy Fitt and Zach Reno have joined the cast of the indie comedy, The List, and AMC Theatres is adding subtitles to their screenings in over 200 locations nationwide. And in tech and social media news, Twitter will now show full-size images on the web. YouTube is now hiding the public dislike button on all videos across its site. Instagram is testing a take-a-break feature. Football TV crosses 1 million subscribers in 6 years after its launch. Netflix tests a TikTok style feed for kids, Spotify now makes it easier to block other users, Google Maps and iOS now has a dark mode, Yelp will soon have a scrolling feed of local restaurant picks, and the National Hispanic Media Coalition Latino Film Festival will be presented virtually from November 26th to the 28th. So for those of you who are longtime listeners of the show, you know that I interview Latinx actors, musicians, filmmakers, and journalists, but that's about to slightly change. For me it's time to spread out some of the love to latinx visualists that is people such as our own photographers graphic designers latinx architects video editors social media managers all those who are documenting the zeitgeist of american culture through their own latino perspective while influencing the mainstream And one person who is doing such work is photographer Josefina Santos, a Colombian-born Brooklynite whose work is capturing the attention of the elite media editors due to her fresh and progressive portraits which possess a worldly aesthetic. She's not about the camera gear. She's about the eye. What does the eye say? That's her guiding light. And there are so many silent Latinx visualists in every industry who are making shit happen, and in all parts of American culture. It's time we celebrate them. Here's my conversation with Josefina Santos. So let's start from the very beginning, Josefina. I want to get to know you a little bit more, and I want to understand the climb from the day you wanted to become a photographer to then having to overcome so many things in this country for Hispanics. Which yeah. is the fact that you were not born in the United States, so you are emigrating to the United States and then trying to fit in here, but then adapting and acculturating so much that when you go back to Colombia, it's like now they're starting to see all the american about you, and then feeling somewhere in between and how all of this influences and shapes your photography. But let's begin with, when was the first time you held a camera? And what was that feeling like when you snapped the first photo?
2: So I think it's it was very um gradual. i I knew I always wanted to be to be an artist. really, like that's just what I was inclined since i since I was a kid, really. Um, my father gave me my first film camera. And it was actually just one of his old film cameras that was like lying around. I can't even remember it was like a nikon. It was a thirty five millimeter um nikon something. He um, i I was like I've always been obsessed with going to family albums, obsessed. And I remember one time my parents were divorced, and I was in my father's apartment, and I was just kind of like I was like very nosy and like very curious. I would like go through like drawers and like stuff like that. And I found this like, huge drawer of um, photos that my father had taken when he was young. And I was like, I don't know, like that feeling that I got, I was like, this is incredible. And they were like film photos. And, and that's the first sort of moment. I think I was probably 14 that I was like super interested in something. And um, that's when I started um, taking pictures of my own and developing them in sort of a makeshift darkroom. That's when I really got interested. Then, sort of obviously, I I wanted to to, be, to study fine art. That's kind of what I wanted to do. And, you know, growing up in Colombia, I don't know why I had a fixation with New York. It was probably something I saw in a movie, something, you know, something like that, that that was like, New York is a place where I'm going to go. I was fixated. I, you know, applied to... I applied to like 38. No, no, that's that's too much. Okay, I probably, I probably applied to like 23 colleges. I was like, I wanted to get out of Colombia, I wanted to be in America, but specifically be in New York. Um, but the whole idea of becoming an artist and kind of like studying fine art did not sit well with my parents. Um, obviously, right? So After like a lot of like back and forth, I sort of settled into like, okay, I'm going to go study and I'm going to try and do graphic design. Like that was like the intermediate. That was like, that was like the thing that was, okay, that's like a good combination of art, but also, you know, something that you can get like a steady job at and sort of work that like, that was sort of like the settlement. So that's what I did. I moved when I was 17. I... You know, got the chance to go to Parsons, which was very, very lucky. And I started, I studied graphic design um, for years. You know, living in the city is incredible. And I also like started understanding, like, okay, to be a photographer, to be a freelance photographer, you really have to be freelance. Like, I couldn't. It wasn't like company would hire you to be like an in-house photographer. Like that just wasn't what I. It just it became clear to me that that's not how it worked, and. Meanwhile, like I was at this job that after the OPT, they had hired. me. Fast forward to six years now, I was able to start freelancing. But then at the beginning, you know, like I started freelancing and I was like, "Ah, okay, I'm here. I'm doing it. And then it's so slow, you know, because
1: (laughs) it's another challenge.
2: A hundred percent. So that's I mean, and that didn't start until like, honestly, like three years after, like I was freelancing as a graphic designer for a lot of my. Yeah, like like that's how I supported myself for, for the beginning of my career. And then like every single second I got kind of doing like all the photography gigs doing stuff for free, so much stuff for
1: free. Really? So explain this to me. I want to talk about this because I did a lot of stuff for free as well. And then someone called me out on it and said, this is the this is why we they don't pay us Latinos 100%. what we're worth because we're constantly giving away our talents. 100%. And I know that made a sense, but then I was always confronted with a situation, which is like, the is the opportunity bigger than the money? How did you deal with that part? Did you feel comfortable in giving away your talent for the first few years of your career?
2: Um, no, I absolutely hated it. And like looking back in hindsight, I now understand how that, um, just lowers the bar for everyone, you know, like now because like now me being sort of like on the other side, I'm like, you know, people like, that's what sets the standards for photographer. Like in photography, there's no union. There's not nothing like that. So it really is, especially like in fashion photography, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the standards is to like do stuff for free. So, I mean, I remember like I did a lot of like fashion backstage for free. that was like insane hours, insane amounts of work. I was working with a magazine in London, so I was basically trying to like they would send me to shows and then I would have to like edit and export images all night because they needed it at their in in their a m time so it was one of these things, and I think you know I was too young to like understand what my how me personally doing that was harmful for the industry and kind of like harmful for my peers. I, I was, I was very, I was like feeling very rushed of like, I was like, okay, this is fashion week tomorrow. And I did two seasons and I was like, yeah. No.
1: If, if, if we have a, a person of color photographer, you know, growing up in the business right now, what, what should they do when they're confronted with a free opportunity at Vogue, you know, to shoot something big and not charge money should they charge money or should they do it for free if offered to do it for free and not money
2: i think at this point is you you know you have to know your worth and you are always worth something especially especially like that's how that's how these sort of brands and publications get to you and that's how they perpetuate that sort of that's how that's how they perpetuate the business that it's in so how, how is it how how does it make sense that somebody would have? I mean, I know friends of mine that have gone into debt doing fashion editorials. You know, because sometimes and and this is the way the way it works. where like the editorial. If you do a lot a lot of editorials, that usually brings a lot of the commercial thing, a lot of the commercial jobs. Where somehow okay, you're like, you are like you find you have photographers that are balancing that out. But then if you're a new photographer, that is kind of like coming into the industry and you don't have those commercial jobs yet that balance out your like not that balance out sort of your income so that you can do editorial
0: mm-hmm.
2: um then how then how are we ever creating solid and fair opportunities for beginners you know so like right. i mean honestly what i did i mean what i did at the beginning was also find people to collaborate with that are sort of beginning like beginners like you so like people that want to be stylists that want to get into the industry that's really how I began that. so I I did like three jobs here and there not as much as I am saying it was kind of like small brands and we would do we would do trade and like things like that but what I really started to do was find friends and kind of like find colleagues that were also starting out and we would all kind of collectively put our efforts in and do small shoots, do small editorials, and I started to put that work out, so people, because the first, like, the, the beginning, I first only had graphic design work to show, and you get hired for the work you show, you know, like, that's, if, if I'm only putting um portraits out, then I'm, I'm not going to be hired to do still life, you know, it's kind of like those things, so I started to understand kind of what work I wanted to do and I want and I started collaborating with people doing that work personally. And then that's how it sort of started happening and sort and started balancing balancing out. But I I do think some sort of form of compensation is is necessary. Is necessary even if it's even if it's small, just because that also right. sets a standard. So
1: explain to me about the collaborative part of this. There's so many people that do not wanna collaborate. Those are my secrets, I'm gonna make it on my own, I have an ego, Uh, I don't wanna share credit with you, Uh, you seem to be a threat to my career, why would I collaborate with you when I think you might actually be better than me? Uh, No, I don't need that. So explain the collaborative process with photographers today. Is it good, is it bad? You make it sound like anybody would wanna collaborate. Was that that era and how is it today?
2: That's funny you say that because going to going to art school. That was so much the vibe. Like I'd find someone or like I'd be like in drawing class and someone would have like a really nice a brush that did this very special effect. And I'd be like, oh my god, that's incredible. Where did you get that? And it would I would be met with that response. Um, I've been lucky enough that I, first of all, I I think the more you give, the more you get. You know, there are no secrets. Everybody's either, for example, like people tend to ask me a lot, like what kind of lenses do you use? What kind of camera do you use? And a lot of people, I've known a lot of photographers who are very secretive about that. I'm like, it's not really, I, I always tell, I always answer. I'm like, this is the camera I use. This is the lens I use. This is the light I use. But at the end of the day, to make it very clear, like it doesn't matter. It's what you're photographing. It's what you see. It's your eye. That's what matters. So I've been very open with like my process and how I do things and the photographers that I've worked with that I've been under have been that way. So I've, so I think I've just created this kind of vibe that. I how would you re-
1: describe that vibe?
2: Generous. Generous, honestly, generous with knowledge, generous with, with secrets, generous with um, openness. So I've, i Camila Falquez, who's, who's a photographer whose work you should know, she's an incredible photographer. I, I learned a lot from her, from, I, I started assisting her. Um, and that's actually how I learned a lot. In, it, it's very important if you're starting out in photography to assist because mm. you, uh, you get to be on other people's sets and you get to sort of be a fly on the wall and see how to run a set, how different photographers run sets. And believe me, I've been on really, really shitty sets and Camila was such an inspiration of like how she ran her set, how generous she was with her, with her knowledge. And she, I mean, to this day is still incredibly generous with her knowledge, with her contacts, with everything. So I, I, and I see how I saw how her being generous and how everyone else that was generous with me, it's like, if you think in like a limited way, you will, it's, it's kind of karma. It, you, you will be limited. So, I've tried to just incorporate that in my practice to be very generous and and give back as much as I can, because that's the way that people were with me and 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 I see how how it right. can come back to you so let's
1: talk a little bit about gear because i you know you said that that doesn't really matter. It's the eye. So you didn't go yeah. to a photography school. like you didn't no. graduate in photography, right? No. So you're self-taught,
2: yes Completely now.
1: Self-taught self-taught what were the ways because I think a lot of people go I oh, just watch YouTube and you'll learn how to be a photographer what are the ways that you learned uh on a self-taught level because maybe there's a lot of people right now listening to this podcast they go I can't afford to go to university four years yeah. and graduate you know with a bachelor's in photography and then become a photographer and then pay off my debt some totally. people like I want to start now so how did what camera did you start with what lens did you start with, and what did you evolve to today when you're shooting these incredible portraits that, that you're now known for?
2: Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of it is trial and error, honestly. So at the beginning, I it was a combination. First of all, trial and error. Um, second, assisting. You you can learn a lot in assisting, like as a maybe like as a second or third assistant, um, because on sets right now, like a lot of first assistants have to be very knowledgeable because you, I mean, I rely a lot on my assistants, lighting-wise, um, lens-wise, you know, I am not a super technical person. I will tell you, like, if you come to me and ask me technical questions about a camera, I will, I'll have no idea.
1: So that's why I'm,
2: <laughs> no, no, if a camera breaks on set, I really won't know what to do. So a lot of, it is important to surround yourself by people that are professionals that know especially now kind of like where my where I'm on sets where you know are more commercial um you know have clients so like I do have to surround myself with people that are even more technically knowledgeable than I am.
1: Y los asistentes te resienten a ti for not knowing all the technical stuff that they know and going wait a minute if she doesn't know any of this stuff and I do then why is she the one chosen and not me?
0: Um
2: I've only felt that way a couple times my um I love the assistants that I work with and it and and it's it's been a it's been a lot of again trial and error with people being on set but for the most part I think you understand that it's a vision more than technicality you know it's it's and it and it is more you know My job is to photograph. My job is to direct. My job is not necessarily to know exactly what light this is going to, this is like my photo needs, you know, even though I do know a lot of that stuff and, you know, I, you, you kind of, you start from the bottom and you start assisting and you start learning, learning until a certain point where, I mean, where I've gotten, where I still learn from every single set that I am. And I've, I've gained like a lot of that knowledge by just doing and testing and trial and error so to me it's been a combination of trial and error again being on set so a lot of YouTube don't underestimate YouTube so much YouTube Um, and then I've done and then the only thing that I did do was I took one intensive two-week course like two, two weekends at ICP when I was like I don't know probably like four years ago where I was and it was like a digital course so I was like okay I need to understand how to, how a digital camera works um and then yeah like that so with lenses and things like that I started with like a very base I started with like 35 millimeter camera and then evolved into a medium format which is what I use now my learning experience with cameras has really been trial and error like mm. I I I have friends that had a camera that I was interested in. So I was like, oh, can I borrow it for a weekend and would test it and would see what I liked, what I didn't. And then, you know, you go on eBay because all of these digital, all of these film cameras aren't made anymore. So you go on eBay, you bid.
1: So you use a film, you use film. Like I I think I saw you use Kodak 400 TX. I think that's what it was. No, so I
2: use a lot of, so my main film is Portra 400 in 120, I, I shoot medium format, I shoot digitally as well. And like, that's an important thing to understand. I was going to
1: ask because the between the film and the DSLR, you know, there's, there's a retro movement now to go back to film. Yeah. But most people are like, here's the latest Canon, Nikon, Sony. Sony seems to be like now the king of all cameras. Um,
2: yeah.
1: Which, which, which is like a whole different way of shooting and then having yeah. to then create that film look in post-production, like on Lightroom or whatever it may be. So for you, today when you shoot like olivia rodrigo or jim jormush uh, are you using film or are you using a dslr
2: for those particular shoots that you're referring to i use film so how it works in those scenarios so for example for jim this is funny i was i, I definitely took a risk for jim so because i only did film like only
1: it seems perfect for jim though uh, mr indie director yeah. who likes yeah. film let's shoot him in yeah. film. he'll appreciate that yeah
2: <laughs> and there was a thing where, like, you know, what I like about film, it, it creates a more personal relationship with your subject. You know, you you take away the rest of everyone else. Like, when, when you're shooting digitally, especially for either an, an editorial or, like, a publication, you have people looking at the screen. You have kind of, you kind of open up the relationship with, with your subject and then the rest of the team. But when you're shooting film, it's just... YouTube or whoever else you're photographing. Right. So I think that from one sense. Secondly, um, which is one of the things that I really appreciate about film is it slows you down. So when you're shooting digitally, I think there's less risk. You have. Unlimited frames. So in my experience, I've seen that I I take less time to think about my image, think about the shots, think about the composition when I'm shooting digitally. When I'm shooting film, it kind of just slows me down. And when I see something not working, I stop. And I'm like, okay, let's reevaluate. Something's not working. Instead, with with digital, I tend to shoot it, still shoot whatever's not working. And it just takes me a little longer to think about the composition because I don't have to necessarily slow down. I have unlimited options. but for example, for Olivia Rodrigo, we, Emily, who is the art director at um, Team Vogue, she's incredible. She understands kind of the value of film and she is very respectful to the, like each photographer's sort of process. So but what we did with her was, okay, I would shoot because I, I mean, Olivia's team had to review the images. Like it was one of those things. So I would photograph digitally, get my frame, show them like the idea of what I'm doing, and then change to
0: film. Mm. So
2: show a little snippet and then change to film. And that's the way it it has to work with a lot of commercial sets as well, where, you know, the client needs to see what's it's happening. It's almost
1: like you're storyboarding with digital
2: kind to of. then shoot the
1: master shot with film.
2: Uh, it's pretty smart, exactly. yeah. That's exactly right.
1: So you said that things started slow, I guess for the first three years. What was the breakthrough moment for you? What was the one, actually, I would even say that probably before the breakthrough, did you ever have thoughts of quitting the industry? And then what brought you back to it? And then what was the breakthrough that you said, all that sweat and tears, I finally made it. I finally broke through
2: um. Yeah, I had many chances. Like, I had many, many moments where I was like, oh, "This is like, I'm not good enough. Um, it's too slow. It's not really happening to me. Um, I'm not making enough money. Like, how am I actually gonna survive off of this? Um, there was a point where I, like, I had to like ask my 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 parents for money. You know, it, it was like it was like not working out. And my father was very concerned. He was like, "I don't understand how." You could leave a job that was, you know, having like making. You were able to live in New York out from this job. You were sustaining yourself, like, and I just tried to explain to him, you know, this is me taking two steps, two step two steps backwards to be able to take a huge step forward, you know, and that that's what I had to keep reminding myself. And thankfully, you know, I have a lot of incredible friends and colleagues that are in the same in the same in my same industry and I, I love of directors and I, directors directors notographers who honestly we all kind of you see it so clearly with someone else but like I feel like my friends were constantly putting my putting me together again and then I and then the next day I would have to be putting them together again kind of just supporting them and being like you know this is us with pro uh, quo hustling 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 going going for it going for it not like not giving up not giving up and If I'm honest, I, and it's one of those things where I don't think you can really ever say I made it. You, you, because you keep trying, you keep going, you, you, you know, you set the bar higher. Um, But I recently, like, if you're saying sort of that breakthrough moment, I think it, it just happened for me, really. Like, I think for me, photographing Jim Jarmusch, Oliver Rodrigo, like this month that I had, that, that's been the, the like relief of like, okay, this is, I'm doing something right.
1: So I'm catching you at the cusp of your breakthrough.
2: I think so. I think so. I wouldn't, I don't think it'd be fair to say it's, it's been anything. And it's been, like I said, you know, it's been slow. Like there's been like smaller little things that have brought me to where I am now, you know? For for example, like the first, the absolutely, absolutely first um, commission I got was for, the, was for the New Yorker and it was for like the New Yorker online. And it was to photograph this uh, 90-year-old woman called Annette Green. Um, and, you know, that could have been a breakthrough moment because that is what kind of, you know, one sort of opened the floodgates. Like all of a sudden I was like, okay, one editor knows me. Then, you know, that happened. And then like four months later, someone from the New York Times reached out. And then nothing, nothing really happened with, with that editor from the New York Times until like six months later. You know, so it was a very, very gradual uphill also.
1: <laughs> so how were you able to get to that breakthrough moment where your photographs passed the criteria of probably the most important prestigious magazine that the United States of America has in the New Yorker. How are you able to get from where you are to to, to there? Like, what was the thing that you noticed? What was the photograph? What was the, uh, the thing that you did that New Yorker went, Oh my God, Josefina Santos necesita estar aquí in the New Yorker.
2: Um, I don't, you know, that's a good question. I should probably ask the photo editor who hired me for that. Be like, I think, you know, and this is important for 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 I believe for all photographers. I personal work personal work is really important. So and I think that's very important because when you get to do personal work, when you set aside the time uh, to to dig deep and and kind of experiment and 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 develop personal work, that's that's you at your purest form. And I think that's what always catches the eye of editors a creative directors um so i started this project called sucre which was about my mom's hometown um and that was i started that kind of as a as a as a way to connect back like to connect back to that to that sort of side of my family and kind of like and those roots Um, it was a passion project it was a passion project and it still is and it's, it's still and you know now it's now it's a It started as one thing now it's a a bigger project and i'm working on it right now it's 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 kind of like constantly a work in progress um but i think developing that body of work was extremely important to me uh to where i am now really because it, it 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 not it showed a range of my work it showed Portraits. It showed documentary. It, sh- it like it. It also just shows your point of view because sometimes with like a lot of editorials, you know, you even though you are photographing it and 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 your eye clearly comes through the photograph. Sometimes you don't have a hundred percent. Sometimes there's like art direction. There's you know there's 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 influence from somebody else. When you're doing a personal project, it's you. It's a hundred percent you. So I think that's, I, I would advise any young photographer trying to break it, trying to break into, into any industry in photography, just do like make time for personal work. That's extremely important and make time to experiment within that personal work.
1: So you, your personal work got you the New Yorker in your assumption. I'm going to assume that the times got you because of the New Yorker. And so did did you start noticing after the New Yorker job, the commission, that things, doors started to open a little bit more quicker? Isn't it funny the way that works? It's a club. Everything in in America, or probably even everywhere else, it's a damn club. And this is the club of the cool kids. And now you're cool. So now you can come in and hang out with the cool kids, the Times, the New Yorker, you know, Teen Vogue, Refinery. Yeah, come on, right? Does that piss you off?
2: I think it doesn't I wouldn't say it pisses me off. I just think, you know, I do wish it were more um, open in a way. I do wish it were more. Yeah, of course, because, you know, and you have editors and editors are sort of the gatekeepers of so much opportunity that I do wish it were there were a way where getting getting in getting in getting like a chance for your work to be seen were a little more open or like there was like a little bit more of like a two-way street I mean there, there are ways to do that there's like portfolio reviews and there's um you know like online exhibitions and like things like that but I think yeah it's 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 a hard it's 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 hard to break in but like once you're in you're yeah. in yeah I, but I feel like yeah, I, I wish it I wish it were it were easier. I wish it were more open.
1: Somebody would tell you if it was easier, everybody would do it, but because it's difficult, then only the cream of the crop makes it.
2: I guess I guess
1: <laughs> <laughs> you're still I, figuring I, that one out, yeah
2: I, I mean, I'm honest like i'm I'm still figuring it out. I'm still wondering how I got here.
1: Through talent and a great eye, Josefina.
2: Through all the but the questions that you're asking me, I'm like, you know what? Like I still think of that. I still, I still, I still I mean, I'm very grateful. I'm so, so grateful to 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 the opportunities, to the editors that have seen my work. But people ask me like how, like how, but like how did you get in? And I'm like, I don't really know. Like I posted my work on Instagram, I'm consistent. I but at the end of the day, I don't I, like I don't have a clear answer for for how for how that works or or how I can make a difference. I guess you know, I'm like like I said, I'm very open. If like someone asks me if they can put me in touch with like someone at the new York Times, I'm like, of course. You know, like I'll I'll help everyone in every way they can. But if you ask me sort of if the if the process can be different or like or if what I did would work, would work particularly for someone else. I don't know.
1: Everybody's path is, is is subjective and individual and that. And, you know, nobody's path will work guaranteed for somebody else. And and that is the same issue with me. Um, You you talked about Instagram. How much does social media play in a photographer's game? Like in your particular case, is social media crucial to your profession as a photographer?
2: Yes. I wish it wasn't, but it is. I really wish social media wasn't as crucial as it is. So, so
1: why is it crucial, and why do you wish it wasn't crucial? What is it about it that you have to play the game? Why do you have to play the game?
2: Because I think a lot of, don't you know, half, but like I think a lot. I actually think I got my 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 work on, was discovered on Instagram. Like I I hear. Some of the some of the editors that I have actually been like oh remember to ask have have found my work through Instagram. Wow!
0: So I
2: think it's um, it's it's wide, it's very wide. Put your work on Instagram and you don't know who can see it. You know, one person will 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 share it and one person will save it and and I think to me it it's instantaneous. Like I can I can share something I'm working right now in the moment. And, and and like let it go i it, personally it helps me be, be a little less precious about my own work and it lets me experiment a little bit um more more so than let's say i don't know a photo book a photo essay like something like that i feel like instagram i mean at the end of the day it, it's instantaneous you know so it lets me it's helped me be a little less precious about every single photo. And I mean, and what makes me sad about it is I do wish, you know, nowadays, I think Instagram is the way we see photographs. Like, I don't believe you go to an exhibition or something like that and you see a beautifully printed photograph. So, like, the emotional response you can have to something like that is so different than seeing a picture on Instagram. So, That's what makes me sad. Like, that's what makes me sad about having to do Instagram, where I was like, oh, okay, like, this picture is going to be on someone's, this photograph that it took, I don't know how much effort to make, is going to be on someone's eye for a microsecond. People are going to look at it for a microsecond and forget. It's half and half.
1: Photographers of color Mm -hmm. who are women, how many of them are there in the industry for the time that you've been in it? When you look around you, there's no one that really is a woman or a person of color.
2: It's funny you say that. So every time I'm uh, I'm on set, I'm with a model. I, I, if I remember, I'll ask them like, okay, um, how, so how often do you say you photograph? Like, what's the percentage of you photographing, having, working with a male photographer or a female photographer? And they're almost all of them are like, oof, I mean, two out of 10 are are female photographers. And I was like, okay, what's the percentage of that being like a woman of color? And then they'll be like one out of 10. So it is, I, I, I see more, more and more each day. Also, just because that's kind of the work I foster and sort of the teams I bring to set. That's one of the things that's really important to me. And creating more opportunity for, for people of color in the industry. So I, to the best of my abilities, try for all my teams to be people of color. Um, if I get a chance in bringing models of color to my sets, I mean, I will always push for it. Like, I, I think it's just part of the, also like the visual world I've created. In most of my sets, it is a lot of people of color. So I tend to get not confused, but I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm trying because it's more, a lot of the work that I'm doing and sort of what I'm trying to promote. I get like a work vision of it because I'm like, okay, I'm seeing a lot of people of color. I'm seeing, you know, more diversity because that's kind of what I want to bring, but then mm-hmm. I'll be in one e-com commercial shoot and I'll ask the model. And when they say this, it's just so disheartening but i think there is a shift that's happening um there's always more that can be done and you know and it's interesting you say because you know i am i i'm trying to also like understand sort of like my own place and my own sort of race and identity and sort of i i i understand the opportunities that have also come my way because i am white passing even though I'm, i mean i'm colombian i'm i was born and raised in colombia um but sort of like I've, I've been trying to sort of think a lot about that and understand how my place in this and how I can be a better ally and what I can do. So there's still so much that can be done. But I, being that my work, my personal work also has so much to do with race identity, specifically in 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 Latinos and Latinos in America. Yeah. Um, i tend to i tend to work in hopefully what will no longer be called the niche of
1: multiculturalism
2: multiculturalism but also you know diversity with gender and and all these things so i don't think it's still i mean it's it's definitely not an equal it's not an equal playing field and it's not it 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 still isn't uh but I, i'm personally trying to improve that with my own personal work and with my own teams and kind of my own contributions.
1: How would you describe your your photographs, your portraits? If you have to say four or five words to describe your photographs, how would you describe them?
2: Um, Let's say empowering, soft, colorful, um, generous, if that's the word. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> But definitely eh, empowering. That's I think one of the like what I want.
1: Who are the most influential photographers, street photographers, portrait artists that you've modeled your photography after?
2: Well, I mean, I feel like I grew up a lot on you know, Diane Arbus, Salim,an um, of course, you know, Richard Avedon, kind of like those iconic photographers. I think nowadays that. I try to get my inspiration just from anything I can, and it's much more mixed.
1: who do you like today?
2: I'm today I am currently I'm obsessed with a follow him on Instagram. His name is sam Killes and he is I don't even know how I would describe him he's he's a photographer video maker, but he I'm, I'm not actually sure what he shoots with. I think I think it's his phone. and he just finds himself in like these daily situations all over the world. It's like he travels and he and he just gets these snippets of real life people doing random things all over the world. And to me, that's just such a little glimpse of real life somewhere else that, mm. that that's really inspiring to me at this moment. I was like, okay real life snippets of people and it's little videos. We'll do like little little videos. Um and that right now to me is is what I'm enjoying. Me encanta, me encanta. And he, and I think you know there's there's such a way we as photographers get so bogged, bogged down by gear and what lens am I using? What camera I, what my, what camera am I using? He is the epitome of it's your eye what matters, what you see is what, like, because I I think he does it all with his phone. I would love to DM him and ask him okay, that.
1: Okay, so, so, so let me ask you about the phone. I mean, the iPhone 13 Pro came out, everybody's talking, it's like the photographer's phone. Would Josefina Santos use an iPhone to do a professional photo shoot?
2: Yeah, why not?
1: Have you done that?
2: I've never done that, but honestly, sometimes I do wish that I could, you know, because it's so light. You can get in like weird positions with it. You don't have to worry about aperture, eh, eh, shutter speed. Like, you don't have, like, it's, you're free. It's much more free. I, it's also funny because I went to India 2019 on a solo trip and I got the, like, at the moment, the newest iPhone, which I think was like the iPhone 11X. Pro That's the one, one I
1: got. Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, and I loved it because yeah, in me India, too. Uh, there was so much going on everywhere I looked, that sometimes I either like had just run out of film in my camera and like didn't have time or make my camera was in my bag and I didn't have time to get it up where I get it out where I would just like take my phone out and take a picture. And that was very liberating. That was that was more like, okay, I'm in the moment and I'm not worried about any of the technical aspects or any of the which I think is so much fun about like documentary photography and travel photography. So I think, yeah, people need to 100% take advantage of your phone.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. Gear,
2: gear only matters to a, certain expo- like, to a certain extent. It's what you're seeing, uh, what are you interested in, what do you want to say. That's, that's what's important. Doesn't matter. doesn't matter your lens. doesn't matter your camera. It doesn't, doesn't matter.
1: And then my final question is, when you look at the industry today, uh, where do you want to be in the next five to ten years? Where do you see yourself? What is your ceiling? What is your potential? Where do you want to be when you when it's all said and done, and your mm-hmm. career's ending? Who do you want to be? Do you want to be the most famous photographer in the world? Do you want to be <clears throat> Annie Leibovitz? You know, for Vanity Fair. Uh, like, what is your goal and objective as a photographer?
2: Um. I don't care, obviously. I mean, I don't really care about being famous, like you said, and going back to like that question where you were like, photographers are, aren't like chefs, aren't like actors, aren't like photographers are much more. Yeah, they're not
1: celebrities, and I'm wondering why. I mean, they're in the art business, and they're doing the, like, it just sucks that you see this huge photograph of uh, Jim Jarmusch, Josefina Santos' his name is there, and then it's like everything, it's almost it ignores the photographer and the impact for reading that article that the photographer had in the article. And so in my head, I'm like, why don't you also give props to the photographer in a big way as well? Their yeah. work influenced the article.
2: Yeah. But also, I mean, to me, it's like as long as the work is getting attention, like that's what matters to me. I I I I actually thrive being behind the scenes. I get super nervous with with attention being geared toward towards me, I I'm, wow. I'm I'm comfortable kind of being a behind the camera, behind no me. ego, no. Well, I mean that's hard to say. Like I'm not no ego. I would have to be like you know like I feel like no one Maria no,
1: Magdalena caminando por.
2: <laughs> I wouldn't go there. Like I, there there is ego, and there's a lot of work that is. I mean, at the end of the day, pushed by somehow by my ego. Um, you I know, mean, of course, I love being print in print like that's it's 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 not it's not it's there's it's, the me, there's, it's the
1: dream it's the dream
2: but I, w- I wouldn't say I mean I would love to say I don't have ego but that would just be a lie um but I think I would love I would love for there not to be sort of such a divide between women photographers and just photographers and I would love for there to not be a divide between a uh, latin photographers and women photographers and photographers like i if my work can be some of the if my if when i'm dead if my work can just be kind of okay this photographer who just happens to come from colombia and happens to have dealt with a lot of um uh, latin sort of cultural issues and colombia and but if 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 i can help sort of clear the divisions, that would make me really happy. Like I don't, because it's, you never, it's it's so funny to me that sometimes work has to be categorized. So I don't want, I, I, I would hate for my work to be categorized as a Latin women photographer. Like I would just want my work to help just be kind of a photographer and a photographer's work. You, you know, you don't, you, you, you never see a male photographer's work be, described as male, right? Or as an American male.
0: Yeah. Where
2: even though you know it's like for example, like Latin Latin history month, Latinx history month, I um I think it's a great opportunity, of course, of course for like Latin photographers, like it's okay. It's or like Latin people, it's like our chance, but then it our chance to shine, but then it, it cannot be just a month. We're here all the time. I'm here all the time making the work. if if my legacy can be helping to erase sort of those categories and helping to level out the playing field in a sense that would make me really happy like that would make me I would love for there to like no longer be first women Latin cover you know (laughs) just have it be a normal thing have it be something that is is not a novelty you know but helping sort of Paved the way for other other photographers in Latin America, from Colombia, from women, helping that.
1: Josefina, muchísimas gracias por estar en el highly relevant podcast.
2: Thank you so much for having me. Muchas gracias.
1: Just before I wrap up here, here three Latin tracks you might want to add to your playlist this weekend. La Superbad, Georgell, Macomares, Diamante Eléctrico. Vete vete, vete, vete. vete. Yate. Sé tangano. that's it for episode 168 of the highly relevant podcast i'd like to thank josefina santos for joining me on the show and if you like this episode please share with your friends and have them subscribe and leave a review you'd be helping us reach many more listeners if you'd like to get in touch with me reach out to me on twitter instagram or youtube i'm jack rico see you next week on another episode of highly relevant